Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Praise the Lord. Genesis chapter 2 this morning. Now, I'm, I'm going to deal with some things. The adversary, Satan, the devil, you know, he's a defeated foe. Everybody say defeated. The Bible talks about him being under our feet. And he's under our feet through that which Jesus has done for us through redemption. The Bible talks about in Ephesians chapter 1 how all things are under his feet. And because of that, all things are under our feet. So legally, everything is under our feet or under the authority that God has given us in Christ. But you know, you get over into the book of Hebrews and it talks about, well, all things are under His feet, but we do not yet see all things under His feet because we've not demonstrated that nor walked that out. So there's a process from taking the victory that God has provided for us in Christ and applying it to your life. Victory in healing, finances, uh, in your own mind, your job, your, whatever situation you may be in, there is, a, there is a process of making application of the victory of God to your particular situation. And in so doing, you take what's legally yours and you begin to experience it. Amen. I, I love the experience of being able to, uh, to, to, to live in a house. I don't know if you take it for granted or not, but the other day at night we had a, a real storm come through. And it was lightning and raining hard, raining sideways. The wind was blowing 30, 40 miles an hour. I was so grateful to be in the house, not to be out there in that weather, you know, living under a pup tent or something. I thought, thank God for a house, you know. And the reason I can go and enjoy it, it's legally mine. I can go out and get in my vehicle and, and drive home after the service. You say, why? It's legally mine. I'm able to experience what's legally mine. Now, that's been the, the great fight of religion down through the ages, ever since Jesus rose from the dead. Whether or not the believer had a right to experience that which was legally theirs. Now, religion has come to the place where they leave it to what's called the sovereignty of God. Well, you can experience it if God allows you to. Well, if that was true, we'll have to take about half of the Gospels out. Yeah, amen. amen. You say, why? Because there were people in the Gospels that experienced the power of God. Now, you've got to listen to how I'm going to say this so you don't get sideways with it, but listen to how I say it. There were people that experienced the power of God outside the sovereignty of God. You say, now what do you mean by that? Well, the sovereignty of God, we, we, we kind of relegate that to that which God does in His sovereignty. But there's people that just, they initiated something by faith and received it. Amen. I mean, if you'd have walked up to the woman with the issue of blood, Mark chapter 5, say, well, now wait a second, wait a second. We need to wait on, on God and figure out whether this is in His sovereignty or not. Well, she'd have died of that disease. Amen. Even Jairus, if you would have caught Jairus in the street on his way to his, to his, to his uh, home where his daughter had already died and said, now wait a second, we need, to we need to go check up on the Scriptures, maybe have a prayer meeting, maybe go to Bible school for a few weeks and figure out whether this is in the sovereignty of God. Amen. Listen, what is it about the sovereignty of God that makes religion thinks that restricts believers from getting anything from it? I've never been able to understand that. 
They say, well, it's up to the sovereignty of God, which is basically saying no. That's the way they say no. Well, God is sovereign. Well, God is sovereign, which means, well, no, you're not going to get healed. Well, that's not our God. That's not a loving God. His sovereignty is revealed in the activity of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's talk about healing, where it says in Acts uh, 10, 38, who went about good, doing good, and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with it. That's the sovereignty of God right there. So who can get healed? Well, according to that scripture, all. That means anybody can get healed. Now listen, let me just say this. This might help you. Not everybody gets healed. But everybody can be healed. Just like not everybody gets saved. But everybody can be saved. It's really not up to the sovereignty of God. It's up to the individual desiring by faith to receive from God. So in reality, the greatest attack of the adversary on the earth today and has been since the day Jesus rose from the dead has been against faith. He knows any person with faith can receive anything they need from God at any time. Amen? Some of the greatest faith teachers that we've ever had are the most criticized and ridiculed by religion. Call them spiritualists, call, them, call faith a movement, call, you know, all this type. But listen, there is a coordinated attack against true faith that comes from the Word of God, deposited in the believer's heart, and that causes the legal things that belong to us to become active so that we can experience it. Experience healing, experience prosperity, deliverance, the joy of the Lord, the move of God, the move of the Holy Ghost. Listen, God's not waiting around just well, you know, here I, I've got it marked on my calendar here. Oh, it looks like about October the 26th. We're going to have a move of God around here. But until then, I mean, you're just going to have to, you know, put up with all this dryness. Well, that's not God. God's not like that. So I begin to meditate on some scripture and, and pray and ask the Lord. So, okay, Lord, if that's what this great effort of the adversary is against faith against us believing God, how, what, did, what can we do? What is the procedure for us to keep ourselves strong, to keep ourselves in faith, to keep ourselves walking in faith, and to keep that procession going from one blessing, from, from faith to faith, from glory to glory, till all the goodness of God is manifested in our lives and our hearts. Amen? Now, the Lord spoke to me and began to bring me back to some things I've taught and to some scriptures that I've used. But he said, basically, there are three different components to an, to an attack of the enemy to try to get you away from faith. And those three are fear, doubt, and unbelief. And they can be used interchangeably in different ways. The enemy wants you in a state of unbelief. And what's one of the most amazing phenomenons in Christianity is how many people perpetually live in unbelief. You ask them, can God heal? Oh, no, God, God can heal, but whether he does not. Now, now, anybody that has gotten healed, it's not God, it's the devil. Well, that's, that, that's ludicrous. Amen? Well, how about prosperity? Oh, here we go. How about those prosperity preachers? Oh, my goodness. They're buying airplanes. They're doing this. They got millions of dollars. And everybody's going down. Well, that's not true at all. See, a lot of people, they say, well, that, that, I don't see why God, why should anybody have an airplane? Why should anybody have all this money? Listen, I know probably of, of the top five 
prosperity preachers that have millions of dollars and fly personal jets. I know three of them very well. And I know that they're some of the biggest givers you'll ever see in your life. And the only reason they have so much is because they give so much. They give millions and millions. One particular that I know of, I'm not a close friend with him. I've been in meetings with him, met him, we've talked, we've had fellowship together. I know that there's at least 20 ministries outside of his ministry that does not have to worry about money. They're able to be, they're in the nations of the world, orphanages, there's, there's medical missions, there's, there's all kinds of gospel crusades and preaching, there's Bible schools, and he writes the check for all of it. He says, well, what about those people's faith? Well, those people's faith obviously got his attention and he's financing their ministries. Costs millions of dollars every year. So we got to be careful. You know, Jesus said, be careful not only what you hear, but how you hear it. Many times all you got to do is look at the source of it. This week, a, a good friend of Island Church, a good friend of ours, a people who believe in God for their building. No, they, were, they were in a location like this. They lost it. They had to go into a school. Uh, they just believe in God, believe in God, believe in God. And actually, a building came open, a, a piece of land, uh, 15 acres connected to three acres, a, a beautiful building, seats 6,000, excuse me, 668 people. It's got facilities for their children, facilities for their youth. Everything they need is a church. And they've just been, I mean, for almost 20 years, they've been believing God, believing God, believing God. That piece came available about three weeks ago, four weeks ago. The, the owner came and said, I believe it's God that you have this building. They had to have a million dollars. Their church had been whittled down from a church of about 600 to a church of less than 200. They got in faith. They believed God. They got that million dollars and they got their building. Amen. You say, why? Because they wouldn't quit. They wouldn't back off. They kept believing God. And now they're going to be able to move into that beautiful facility. Not only that, this man that built that church has a church in that church. He's going to stay there and he's going to allow the two churches to merge and become one church that he's going to go off into crusade ministry. He said, it can't be that easy. It's that easy. That's how God did it in their lives. But they had to continue to stand. They had to fight the devil. And what took place is there had to be a law change. They're in Austin, Texas. I'll tell you where they're at. They're in Austin, Texas. And if you're going to build a building in Austin, Texas, if you buy one acre to build on, you have to buy 10 acres that you can't build on. Yes. That means if you, want, if you need 10 acres to build a church, you have to have 100 acres. If you need three acres for a church, you have to have 30 acres. You say, why? Because it's something to do with the aquifer and the water and all this kind of stuff. Well, they fought and believed God and prayed for 10 years for that law to change so they could get that building. Guess what? That law has changed, and they went in there, and they got that building. But they had to fight fear, doubt, and unbelief. Amen? Now... I have you in Genesis because I want you to see something. Fear, doubt, and unbelief is not something we were created to have. We were created to be faith people. We were created to be spiritual people. We were created to be powerful people upon the earth. To have dominion over this whole earth. To have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, the cattle, every creeping thing. I don't know how much or to what extent. I've heard the sublime. I've heard the ridiculous. You know, that Adam flew like a bird, swam like a fish. I don't know. He wasn't Tarzan. Amen. 
but he was God's man on the earth. And man, you start talking about that, you want to stir up a bunch of religious devils. You start talking about the big G God and the little G God. Oh my goodness, that'll make people go crazy. That's why I've never taught on that. People just go nuts over that. Oh, you say, we're God. Well, we're made in His likeness and image. And you're actually the little G-O-D over your life. You're the one calling the shots. And when you give your life over to the big G-G-O-D, then I guarantee you're fixing to have a much better life. But in the beginning, God created the man. He brought the woman to the man. And then He commanded them. Everybody said He commanded them. Now, you've got to understand something about the nature of God. He is a commanding God. We sang that song, that worship song. It's such a beautiful worship song. I love it so much. Jesus, we love you. Okay, do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? The Bible says, here's how you love Jesus. If you love me, keep my commandments. <laughs> I love Jesus. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Do you read your Bible? No, no, I don't read my Bible. Do you pray? No, I don't pray. Do you go to church? No, I don't go. But I really love the Lord. No, you don't. No, you don't. I've, I used to do that when I used to travel. Somebody would always come up to me at prayer line and say, would you please pray for Uncle Bob? Now, Uncle Bob doesn't go to church. Uncle Bob doesn't tithe and offer. He doesn't believe in giving to missions. He don't like preachers. But I'm telling you, Uncle Bob really loves the Lord. And I'm like, no, he doesn't. Because <laughs> when you really love God, you'll obey His commandments. You'll read His Word. You'll talk to Him. You'll be a part of His body. You'll give. You'll do all the things that He commands you to do. And the enemy knows that. So he tries to counter that with fear and doubt and unbelief. Amen? Now, let me read you a scripture here. Did I tell you Genesis chapter 2? Look at verse, uh, go down there to verse 16. It says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Everybody say, say. So God is speaking. This is His words. Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But, everybody say, but. Now when God says, but, you need to pay attention. Amen. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Amen. Now, that's, there, that's, there's no really gray area there. There's no, well, you know, I mean, you know, what do the Republicans say about that? What do the Democrats say about that, you know? What, what does, what does, what does uh, you know, what does, the, uh, uh, what does the Pope say about it? No, that, that, no, no, we don't need none of that. It's really pretty plain. You got all these trees. You got thousands of trees. You've got all of the fruit trees and nut trees and every other kind of shade tree, all kinds. Of, but now there's one tree. You got a tree of life over there. Eat all you want. But there's one tree that you must understand that if you go eat this tree. So in commanding you, what am I telling you? I'm telling you, don't eat the tree. Don't eat the fruit of the tree. Don't eat that tree. Then, then my question is, God, then why put the thing in the garden? <laughs> you ever thought that? Amen. That's what Brother Osteen used to say years ago. He'd always get up and say, where would we be without women? And he'd get real quiet like that. He'd say, we'd be in heaven. <laughs> be in the Garden of Eden. Amen. Well, that's not true. That was Brother Osteen, not me. But he put the tree there to give the man an opportunity to obey his command. Now listen, this is the law 
This is literally the law of divine structure with God being over man and man being under God. Now let me say that again. This is the law of divine structure with God being over man and man being under or submitted to God. Now you say, well, I don't know if I like that. It doesn't matter if you like that or not. You will see that that structure is still in force today. And if you die outside of the redemptive work of Christ within that structure, you go to a place of eternal separation from God. You say, why? Because God cannot tolerate anybody who does not live within His structure. His structure is perfect. His structure is good. His structure is righteous. His structure is beneficial for all those that are under it and for Him also. Amen? Now, so here's this command. It's real simple. Don't eat the tree. Just don't look at the other tree. Don't look at that tree. Don't get around that tree. Don't talk. I'm fixing to bring you a woman. You and the woman get together. Don't sit under the tree and talk about the tree. Amen? So, now, then we get to chapter 3. Now notice this. Now the serpent, everybody say the serpent, was more subtle than any of the beasts uh, uh, beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now, why is it always a word issue? Amen? You say, what do you mean by that? Man, every, every, how can I say this? Every issue I've ever had with anybody that's, that's gotten in real sideways with me as a pastor is a word issue. Is a word issue. Tithing, submission, baptism in the Holy Ghost, healing, no matter what, it's a word issue. I don't believe that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not, I mean, it's amazing how resistant fallen humanity is to the Word. It was not like that in the beginning. I don't know how long they lived in the garden. I don't know how long they enjoyed the fruits of those trees. But eventually, this enemy of God came into this garden illegally. But you know, God had prepared them for this. He said, you take dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over what? Every creeping thing. What was He saying? There's a snake coming. There's a snake coming. And what the snake did was to go around the man and come to the woman. He usurped the structure. Because when God created... And I know this isn't big with women's liberation and all this kind of stuff, but we're just talking about the Word of God, all right? God made man, then He made the woman. Amen? He took him out of the side, but He also put the man in charge. In his divine structure, the man has the preeminence over the woman. And people don't like that. This is 2019. I mean, we're liberated. We want a woman president. We want women running all of our corporations. That's all well and good. But in the divine structure of God, he made, there's God, the man, then the woman. Then when the snake goes around the man, he usurps that structure. Amen? So you must understand, the enemy wants to usurp, how can I say this? The structure of your salvation, which is God who has redeemed you through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Word of God that is in your heart, where does the enemy attack you at the most? He comes to your mind. 
and that's how he starts it with the woman. And how does he come to your mind? He comes to your mind in opposition to what the Word says. Amen? I mean, it's amazing. You can talk about all kinds of things in life. You can talk about medicine. You can talk about oil. You can talk about gold. You can talk about finances. You can talk about Wall Street. You can talk about politics. You can talk about, you name the subject. And every one of us are limited in those subjects. Don't you agree? But then when it comes to spiritual things, everyone's an expert. Immediately. Instantly. After you're born again, been to three services, read a half a book. Oh, yeah, I know all that. Well, that's not true. The more I see in the Word of God, the more I realize how much I never knew. Which means the more you see in the Word of God, the bigger it gets the more you see, I never knew anything in the first place. So when you begin to study the Word of God and see that there is an entity that wants to attack the very reality of who you are in Christ Jesus and wants to come into your mind and usurp all the structure of God in order to get you off your faith, you've got to put up some antennas, some alarm systems. This woman didn't have them up. So, but the free... Verse 2, And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden that are in the midst of the garden. God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, is that what God said? No, that's not what God said. God says, The day you eat, you shall surely die. Now, I know it's, our, our time's running out, so I'm gonna, we're going to hit this one point and then we'll, we'll quit. What the adversary desires to do is to influence you. That one word kept coming up in my spirit in prayer. It kept coming up in the Word of God in different translations. And I began to see something very powerful in this word influence. In reality, that's what caused man to fall. Our adversary of humanity and the adversary of God was able to influence the woman. The woman influenced the man and the whole bunch of them fell. And we ended up the victims of it. Amen? Now, your adversary, the devil, is an influential force. And one of his most powerful tools is to influence people to believe that the truth is a lie. Now listen to this. You say, what do you mean by that? All over the world, in governments, in corporations in entertainment, you name it. There is so much of our world system who the bedrock foundation of it is an absolute lie. It's an absolute lie. And the reason is, is because the devil is the God of this world and he has built this world system on the foundation of lies. Listen. Notice what he says. When the woman said... But of the fruit of the tree of the garden, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Verse 4 says, And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. Now, we read that on the surface and think, you know, that might have been just a thought that popped into her head. Or you might be real religious and think there's a snake sitting there talking to her. But in the original Hebrew, it says this. It says, Satan took an irresistible thought and thrust it into her mind. You shall not surely die. Boom. 
That's the truth. I'm going to eat me some of that fruit. Because then she began to what? See with her eyes. See that the fruit was, was, was desirable. She went over there and ate the thing. Why? Because he did that. Now listen, this is exactly what the enemy wants to do to all of us as believers. He wants to get us to the point where he has usurped enough spiritual authority in our life to get us to the place where he can take and thrust an irresistible lie into our minds. You say, I don't believe that. Then why in 15 years' time from 2000 to 2015 has 60% of the church quit going to church? Is church bad? Is church not necessary? Is church, how about this, Memorial Day weekend? Is church not part of our national fiber? I'm talking across the board. Charismatic churches, Assemblies of God churches, Baptist churches, Methodist churches, all types of churches. Big mega churches have lost down where many of them now are, are cutting services back and, and trying to cut because you say why? Because the enemy is at work in the last of the last days trying to take and thrust irresistible lies into people's minds. To create what? To create fear and doubt and unbelief. Fear and doubt and unbelief. Now, let me just, just a second. We'll close this. Now notice. Let me go down. Verse 7, and the eyes of them both were open. We know she, she ate it. She shared it with her husband. We know all that that went on. But now notice this. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, I, I, when I was studying this, you know what I like in that too? That was their weekly church service. That was when they went and communed with God. Now, that doesn't mean we don't commune with God on our own. Of course we do. But that was, their, that was their time of the day. In the cool of the day, they were always there. God would come down. He would commune with His creation. What could that have been like? Oh, my goodness. The creator of the universe is down there communing with His creation. The presence of God. The power of God. Oh, I mean, you know, there's, listen, there's no worldly structure on the earth. There's no banks. There's no armies. There's no disease. There's no, there's no, it's pristine the way God made it, the way God wants it. And it's communing with them. But now it's time for church. They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife did what? Hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where are you? I won't expand on that. He said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Amen? Now, number one, afraid. Where, what do you, where did you get that word, Adam? I didn't create you with no afraid in you. I didn't make you with no afraid in you. I made you with faith in you. Amen? Now you're rejecting our time of communion. You're rejecting our time of fellowship. Amen? And you're doing it. Your excuse is it's because you're naked. You're uncovered. You're hiding. So many of God's people hide in their unbelief. That's where they hide. That's your hiding places in your unbelief. 
You say, what do you mean by that? Uh, your unbelief is the areas of your life that you're either not allowing God to work in or that you're not believing that He's working in that area. I believe God's working in every area of my life, in my personality, in my ministry, in the gifting that I have. He's working in my church. He's working in my marriage. He's working in my finances. He's working in my, in my uh, me being a dad, in my, in my parental, you know, even though Breland's 18, done pretty much grown up, he's still working in that area. He's working in my hobbies. He's working in every area of my life. I believe that. I have no area. I don't give the devil any place for unbelief. That's why every time I see this, you know, I get all these crazy looks about when I tell people, hey, I believe Jesus was born on Christmas Day. And people are like, you're out of your mind. You know why I believe that? I'm going to tell you what. I don't believe it because I have some kind of proof. I believe it because I don't want no unbelief in my life. Did you just get that? Well, I don't believe he was. But now you've got to, yeah, I don't believe Jesus was born on Christmas Day. Okay, then you've allowed some type, some brand of unbelief into your life. You say, now that's just ludicrous. No, it's not. Because any area of your life in which you allow some, I believe God can do anything. I believe he can grow legs, he can grow eyeballs, he can do anything, and I believe he can do anything we can believe him for. He can give us the money we need for that building, he can raise up a large congregation, he can cause us to be able to influence the world. He can, he can do anything we can believe him for. And so the enemy come in and he comes in and resists that kind of mentality and that kind of thinking with any kind of unbelief he can find. And he does it by allowing us to be influenced by outside voices. And is the influence of outside... I've got to read you the definition of influence. Can I do that? It won't take but a second. I wrote it down. Everybody say, thank God he wrote it down. Now listen to this. What is influence? Influence is the power of causing an effect, excuse me, the power of causing an effect on something in an indirect or intangible way. Now let me say that again. Influence is the power of causing an effect in an indirect or intangible way. Now let me say it again so you get it. Influence is the power of causing an effect in an indirect or an intangible way. That's what influence does. Now, I had a friend. It's not a good testimony. It's not a good story. I'm going to tell it to you anyway. Show you how influence works. I had a friend. Uh, he's gone on to be with the Lord, and he went on to be with the Lord saved. Amen. Him and his wife both. Uh, this guy was the original first president of the Bandito Motorcycle Gang. He was a super criminal. He robbed a store one time. They needed drugs. They were out of money. They'd been robbing drugstores. They'd sold them all. They, you know how that kind of lifestyle, just nothing ever lasts. So what he did is he got a friend of his who got up on a building with a, with a rifle. And he went to a phone booth. And he made a phone call to a store. Now, if you go do this, I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> he called a store. 
And he said to that store, he said, look across the street. And when he said that, that guy stood up and waved that gun like this. Got back down in a crouched position aiming at that store. He said, now you go take all your money and you put it in a bag and you take it and set it behind the store. So they did that. And they got, what, $75 and took off and went and got their drugs. Well, I watched him tell that story one time. And I watched this knucklehead sitting there listen to it. <laughs> so guess what he did? He went and got his friend, got up on a roof, called the store. She hangs up the phone, calls the police. <laughs> and the police came and got him, and he spent like 10 years in prison for that. He was influenced. I said he was influenced. Now, you may laugh at that, but how much of that negative influence is going all around us all the time? It's everywhere we're doing, every place we're going. And some of it may be as big and as stupid as that, or it may be things that are very sublime and very not, you know, not, and, but it's still influencing you. And it's trying to drag you into a place of fear so that you'll begin to doubt so that the enemy can get you into unbelief. Now, we're going we're to study fear next week because it's a powerful force. And it's just the opposite of faith. Because what faith does is activate the power of God and brings God's tangibility into your life. What fear does is just the opposite. It activates the power of your enemy and literally brings all of that into your life. Literally what Job said, that which I have greatly feared has come upon me. And we're living in the day and the hour in which, what did God say about the day in which we live in? That men's hearts would fail them for fear of that which is coming upon the earth. There's people looking at our economy. There's people looking at our, our, our government. There's people looking at all kinds of things that are going on. And people are going, oh my God, what is going to happen? And in the world, it's no different. See, you, we're, we're so insulated from world news. But when we go overseas and listen to world news, it's insane what's going on in this world. The disasters, the government upheavals, all that's going on. We get a little snippet of it here. You go over there and listen to the BBC while you're in Ireland or somewhere, and that's just story after story after story of things going on in Africa, things in the Middle East, things going on in Russia, things going on in India and in Pakistan, in China right now. I mean, they're, they're literally throwing people out of China and looking for anybody preaching the gospel so they can either lock them up or kill them. I mean, it's crazy. So we have to make a decision. To allow the greatest force of influence in our life to be what? The Word and the Spirit. The Word of God and the Spirit of God that will literally influence us to walk in faith, stay out of fear, stay out of doubt and unbelief, and to see the blessing and the provision of God manifest. It is a fight. The Bible calls it a fight. It calls it the fight of faith. But the good news is it's a fight that has already been won. And a fight that if you will walk it out, you will find out that you are more than a conqueror, that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the earth, that you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. The battle has already been won. The victory is yours. You just got to walk that thing out and stay away from the wrong influence. Amen. Shout to the Lord. Come on, give the Lord a shout. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your blessing toward us. Thank you, Father, that we're men and women of faith 
and not doubt, unbelief, and fear. And Father, all that the enemy tries to attack us with, we have weapons that you've given us that are mighty in the spirit realm. So Father, as we leave today, we use one of those weapons, and that is the confession of the Word of God. We declare according to your word, no evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. So, Father, as we leave and travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways, any other way of travel or transportation, we declare our protection. Father, in a righteous labor of our hands that you've given us, the jobs, the businesses that we have in education, in every area, Lord God, we thank you that we're not subject to evil plans of wicked men or Satan himself. We abide under the shadow of the Most High, thanking you, Lord God, that no evil comes near us. Lord, give us that door of utterance outside the four walls of the church. Let us be a blessing to people a problem to the adversary, a miracle in people's lives. As we leave today, we walk in faith and love towards you. We walk in love toward one another. We thank you that we are the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.